Greetings, friends. It's March 7th. This is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast, and my name is David McAdam. It's my pleasure to be reading through the Bible together with you and serve as your guide, pointing out highlights on your journey, many of which will serve as important landmarks that we will refer to further on as we read through the whole of Scripture in a year. Each day we read together through the Old and New Testaments, making stops also in the book of Psalms and Proverbs. My hope is that as we make our way through the Bible, you will gain a greater understanding of how God accomplishes the work of redemption and how that work of redemption impacts your life and mine. We pick up today's Old Testament reading in the book of Numbers, chapter 8, beginning with verse 1, and I am reading from the English Standard Version. The Seven Lamps Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and say to him, When you set up the lamps, the seven lamps shall give light in front of the lampstand. And Aaron did so. He set up its lights in front of the lampstand as the Lord commanded Moses. And this was the workmanship of the lampstand, hammered work of gold. From its base to its flowers, it was hammered work. According to the pattern that the Lord had shown Moses, so he made the lampstand. Cleansing of the Levites And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the Levites from among the people of Israel and cleanse them. Thus you shall do to them to cleanse them. Sprinkle the water of purification upon them and let them go with a razor over all of their body and wash their clothes and cleanse themselves. Then let them take a bull from the herd and its grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil and you shall take another bull from the herd for a sin offering. And you shall bring the Levites before the tent of meeting, and assemble the whole congregation of the people of Israel. When you bring the Levites before the Lord, the people of Israel shall lay their hands on the Levites, and Aaron shall offer the Levites before the Lord as a wave offering from the people of Israel, that they may do the service of the Lord. Then the Levites shall lay their hands on the heads of the bulls, and you shall offer the one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering to the Lord to make atonement for the Levites. And you shall set the Levites before Aaron and his sons, and shall offer them as a wave offering to the Lord. Thus you shall separate the Levites from among the people of Israel, and the Levites shall be mine. And after that the Levites shall go in to serve at the tent of meeting, when you have cleansed them and offered them as a wave offering. For they are wholly given to me from among the people of Israel. Instead of all who open the womb, the firstborn of all the people of Israel, I have taken them for myself. For all the firstborn among the people of Israel are mine, both of man and of beast. On the day that I struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I consecrated them for myself and I have taken the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the people of Israel. And I have given the Levites as a gift to Aaron and his sons from among the people of Israel to do this service for the people of Israel at the tent of meeting, and to make atonement for the people of Israel, that there may be no plague among the people of Israel when the people of Israel come near the sanctuary. Thus did Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the people of Israel to the Levites. According to all that the Lord commanded Moses concerning the Levites, the people of Israel did to them. And the Levites purified themselves from sin and washed their clothes. And Aaron offered them as a wave offering before the Lord. And Aaron made atonement for them to cleanse them. And after that, the Levites went in to do their service in the tent of meeting before Aaron and his sons. 
as the Lord had commanded Moses concerning the Levites, so they did to them. Retirement of the Levites And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This applies to the Levites. From twenty-five years old and upward they shall come to do duty in the service of the tent of meeting. And from the age of fifty years they shall withdraw from the duty of the service and serve no more. They minister to their brothers in the tent of meeting by keeping guard, but they shall do no service. Thus shall you do to the Levites in assigning their duties. Chapter 9 The Passover Celebrated And the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the first month of the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Let the people of Israel keep the Passover at its appointed time. On the fourteenth day of this month, at twilight, you shall keep it at its appointed time. According to all its statutes and all its rules, you shall keep it. So Moses told the people of Israel that they should keep the Passover. And they kept the Passover in the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at twilight, in the wilderness of Sinai. According to all that the Lord commanded Moses, so the people of Israel did. And there were certain men who were unclean through touching a dead body, so that they could not keep the Passover on that day. And they came before Moses and Aaron on that day. And those men said to him, We are unclean through touching a dead body. Why are we kept from bringing the Lord's offering at its appointed time among the people of Israel? And Moses said to them, Wait, that I may hear what the Lord will command concerning you. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, If any one of you or of your descendants is unclean through touching a dead body, or is on a long journey, he shall still keep the Passover to the Lord. In the second month on the fourteenth day at twilight they shall keep it. They shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall leave none of it until morning, nor break any of its bones, according to all the statute for the Passover they shall keep it. But if anyone who is clean and is not on a journey fails to keep the Passover, that person shall be cut off from his people, because he did not bring the Lord's offering at its appointed time. That man shall bear his sin. And if a stranger sojourns among you, and would keep the Passover to the Lord, according to the statute of the Passover and according to its rule, so shall he do. You shall have one statute, both for the sojourner and for the native. The Cloud Covering the Tabernacle On the day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of testimony. And at evening it was over the tabernacle, like the appearance of fire until morning. So it was always, the cloud covered it by day, and the appearance of fire by night. And whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent, after that the people of Israel set out. And in the place where the cloud settled down, there the people of Israel camped. At the command of the Lord the people of Israel set out and at the command of the Lord they camped. As long as the cloud rested over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. Even when the cloud continued over the tabernacle many days, the people of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was a few days over the tabernacle, and according to the command of the Lord they remained in camp. Then, according to the command of the Lord, they set out. And sometimes the cloud remained from evening until morning. And when the cloud lifted in the morning, they set out. Or if it continued for a day and a night, when the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether it was two days, or a month, or a longer time, 
that the cloud continued over the tabernacle, abiding there, the people of Israel remained in camp and did not set out. But when it lifted, they set out. At the command of the Lord they camped, and at the command of the Lord they set out. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by Moses. And this concludes our reading from today's portion from the Old Testament. Now let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we just read. It is wonderful to read through the Bible and discover how important symbols, such as the lampstand, are first introduced. We first encountered the lampstand, the menorah, when the Lord revealed its design and purpose in Exodus chapter 25, verse 31. Then you shall make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand and its base and its shaft are to be made of hammered work. Its cups, its bulbs, and its flowers shall be of one piece with it. The lampstand was to be made of one piece of beaten gold with an ornate base, an upright central shaft, and six branches extending upwards from the shaft to bear light, three on each side. The six cups for the flames are shaped like almond blossoms. An ornamental bulb and flower were upon each branch, and four cups with ornamental bulbs and flowers were on the vertical shaft itself. What was the purpose of the light? The Lord instructed that the purpose of the lamps was to ensure that all that was in front of it be fully illuminated. It was to give light to what was done in the holy place. It was to shine on the table of showbread and the altar of incense. The table of showbread is where the twelve loaves of unleavened bread were stacked. These loaves represented the twelve tribes of Israel. The table of showbread represented divine fellowship with the people of God. The altar of incense represented divine fellowship with God in prayer. Without the illumination of the lampstand, true vertical fellowship with God and horizontal fellowship with His people would be impossible. We read in the New Testament, the first epistle of John, chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, If we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. As believer priests, we need divine illumination, the light of the written word, in Psalm 119, verse 130. We need the light of the living word, the word made flesh. We need the light of the Lord Jesus, His sinless life, His substitutionary death and burial as the last Adam, his resurrection and ascension to the right hand of the Father as the second man, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45 and 47, we need Christ Jesus, the light of the world, in John chapter 8, verse 12, for divine fellowship. As the psalmist said, In your light we shall see light. Psalm 36, verse 9. It is in the light of Christ that the service in the tabernacle finds its meaning. It is in the light of God's provision in the gospel that we can have fellowship with one another. In the light of God's Word, we see that the ministry and the offerings of the tabernacle speak of the life and ministry of Christ. We see by the illumination of the Holy Spirit what we have of the righteousness, peace, and joy of Jesus, who lived a holy life on our behalf in order to be able to offer it to believers as a free gift. In Romans 14, verse 17. Next, we read about the dedication of the Levites. There was a public commissioning of the Levites for the service of the tabernacle. 
it was not as elaborate as the ordination of the priests described in Leviticus chapter 8. The priests would be ritually cleansed with a full body shave, body wash, and three offerings, a burnt offering, sin offering, and grain offering. Then the whole congregation would lay hands on them, affirming the fact that the Levites would be standing in as their representatives before God, and as representatives for the firstborn sons of Israel in particular. The Lord explains that the Levite would stand in place of every firstborn son of Israel to ensure that not all the people would be killed if one person violated the law and came too near the sanctuary. Next we read about the retirement of the Levites. The Levites served from ages 25 to 50. Great strength and stamina were required for this work. Lighter jobs apart from the daily service of the tabernacle and mentoring roles were appointed to those who were over 50. In Numbers chapter 9, verses 1 through 14, we read about the first commemoration of the Passover. The first Passover in the wilderness took place on the second year after the Exodus on the fourteenth day of the first month as commanded in Exodus chapter 12. There is no record that the Passover was celebrated in the first year after the Exodus event. According to the word of the Lord, those who failed to keep the Passover would be cut off from the people of God. This brought great concern to those who were ceremonially unclean at the time. They approached Moses with their concern. Moses went to the Lord, who spoke to him from the holiest of all over the mercy seat between the two cherubim. The Lord graciously gave a provision for those who wanted to keep the Passover but could not due to uncleanness, such as from touching a dead body, or being on a long journey. Those people exempted from celebrating the Passover on the appointed time could do so one month later, according to the regulations given for the ceremony. The Principle of Following the Cloud The community in the wilderness was not left to its own devices for guidance. They were not to chart their own course. At the command of the Lord they camped, and at the command of the Lord they set out. Numbers chapter 9 verse 23 The nation had learned that they were to live according to all the commandments that the Lord had given to Moses. Now we read of the people moving directly at the command of the Lord. Moses was God's appointed man, but he was a man under authority. He was publicly accountable to the authority of the word and the cloud. The cloud was visible to all by day or night. Even in the darkest hour, the cloud would be visible because of the fire that was in it. The cloud would lift and move when it was time for the children of Israel to pull up stakes and continue their journey. When the cloud descended and settled down, the Israelites would set up camp and abide until the cloud signaled their next move. This must have cultivated a habit of watchfulness and readiness among the people of God. It is a habit that is encouraged throughout the Old and New Testament. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at my doorposts. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 34. There are many spiritual benefits from maintaining, number one, a listening ear, number two, a watchful eye, and number three, a waiting heart. Relevant questions for the watchful Christian are, number one, what is God saying to you? Number two, how are you seeing the Lord at work in the world and in your life? And number three, what are you trusting God for? We must continually be yielded to the government of God 
submitting our plans and our schedules to His sovereign leadership and guidance. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. James chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. We are to be obedient to the objectively revealed will of God, the written word, the commandments of the Lord given through the authors of Scripture. We are also to be yielded to the subjective witness of the Holy Spirit, who, like the cloud by day and pillar of fire by night, is able to prompt the redeemed people of God in a walk by faith with the Spirit setting the pace. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, in the New International Version translation. The leaders of the early church publicly witnessed to their accountability to the Holy Spirit in leadership decisions, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Acts chapter 15, verse 28. Now let's go to our New Testament reading, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, verses 14 through 37. The Abomination of Desolation The Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, verse 14. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down, nor enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that it may not happen in winter. For in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, whom He chose, He shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or look, there He is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. Be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. The Coming of the Son of Man But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then He will send out the angels and gather His elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. The Lesson of the Fig Tree From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that He is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. No one knows that day or hour. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey, when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, 
and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. This concludes our reading from the New Testament. In chapter 13 of his Gospel, Mark gives his account of Jesus' teaching on the Mount of Olives overlooking the city of Jerusalem. It is called the Olivet Discourse and concludes with the Olivet Parables. After Jesus predicts the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, which actually occurred within the generation, 40 years later in 70 AD, Peter, James, John, and Andrew privately ask Jesus about future events. Jesus responded to their question by warning them not to be led astray in chapter 13, verse 5, and to be on their guard in chapter 13, verse 9. The gospel must be preached to all nations in verse 10, and there will be a great persecution of the church before Christ's return. There will be counterfeit revivals which will mislead many. And then if anyone says to you, Behold, here is the Christ, that is the Anointed One, or Behold, He is there, do not believe Him, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show signs and wonders in order to lead astray, if possible, the elect. Mark chapter 13, verses 21 and 22. Jesus warns of what is referred to as the abomination of desolation. But when you see the abomination of desolation, standing where it should not be, let the reader understand, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Mark chapter 13, verse 14. The abomination of desolation was first mentioned in the prophecies of Daniel in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, chapter 11, verse 31, and chapter 12, verse 11. Some thought that this ancient prophecy had been fulfilled when Antiochus Epiphanes, meaning God manifest, set up the image of Zeus in the Jerusalem temple in the 2nd century BC. The Encyclopedia Britannica reports, when Antiochus returned from Egypt in 167 BC, he took Jerusalem by storm and enforced its Hellenization. But Jesus refers to Daniel's prophecy as something to happen in the future, the ultimate desecration of the temple by the Antichrist. Then will come a period of unprecedented tribulation. This is something unlike anything we have seen to date, because those will be days of distress unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now, and never to be equaled again. Mark chapter 13, verse 19. This statement discounts the belief that this event has already taken place. A warning is given that there will be insidious works of deception involving false anointed ones, or Christ's, false prophets, who will perform signs and wonders to lead people astray. Later, the Apostle Paul will teach that the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness, the son of destruction, who, in accord with the activity of Satan with all power and signs and false wonders, will be endowed with all the deception of wickedness. Jesus clarifies that signs and wonders are not clear indicators of God's presence. The fact that Jesus said that the character of the deception and the delusion will be so strong that if possible, even the elect would be deceived into denying the true gospel shows how careful we must be. The Olivet Parables The Lesson of the Fig Tree Jesus says that we can learn from the fig tree. Whereas the fig tree is often associated as a symbol for Israel, 
in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 8, 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 25, and Luke's gospel chapter 13, verse 6, that is not the obvious meaning here. He told them this parable, Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Luke chapter 21, verses 29 through 31 in the NIV. Jesus is simply saying that when you see these things taking place, most likely verses 5 through 23, know that the return of Christ is near. He is at the door. And then Jesus says something that no other human being could say without being ridiculed. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Mark chapter 13, verse 31. Therefore, let us make it a priority to take to heart the words of Jesus Christ and the scriptures which he said testify of him. The parable of the returning house owner. Whereas Matthew records five parables from the Mount of Olives discourse, the fig tree, the house owner, and the thief, the good and the wicked servants, the wise and foolish virgins, and the talents, Mark only gives two. The first, the parable of the fig tree, encourages us to be aware of the season. The second is a short version of the parable of servants in charge of a household while their master is on a trip when his return date is not known. The message is to be ready. If Jesus is God, why did he say that he did not know the day or the hour of his return? The Gospels tell us that Jesus, though he was God, put aside his divine attributes for his earthly ministry in order to identify with our human experience. To be our perfect Redeemer, he had to do things that he, as God, could not do unless he became man. Learning, for God is all-knowing. Growing strong, for God is all-powerful. Being tempted, for God is not tempted. And, of course, suffering death. God is eternal. In emptying himself of these divine prerogatives for the mission, he submitted to the will of the Father. No one can predict the day of the Lord's return, so Jesus says, Stay awake and be ready. Now let's go to the book of Psalms, and we will be reading from Psalm 50, verses 1 through 23. Psalm 50, God Himself is Judge, a Psalm of Asaph. The Mighty One, God, the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes, He does not keep silence. Before Him is a devouring fire, around Him a mighty tempest. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth, that He may judge His people. Gather to me my faithful ones, who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare His righteousness, for God Himself is judge. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds, for every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills, and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls, or drink the blood of goats? 
offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving, and perform your vows to the Most High, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. But to the wicked God says, What right have you to recite my statutes, or take my covenant on your lips? For you hate discipline, and you cast my words behind you. If you see a thief, you are pleased with him, and you keep company with adulterers. You give your mouth free rein for evil, and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother, you slander your own mother's son. These things you have done, and I have been silent. You thought that I was one like yourself, but I rebuke you and lay the charge before you. Mark this, then, you who forget God, lest I tear you apart and there be none to deliver. The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. To one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. How great God is! When we read this psalm, we tremble. The first six verses compose a prologue describing God coming to judge His people before all heaven and earth. The Mighty One, God, the Lord, has spoken. Psalm 50, verse 1. When we talk to God, we need to be reminded of who He is and what He has already spoken. The first sentence of the prologue has three names for God. El, meaning He is the All-Powerful, the Mighty One. Elohim, meaning He is God over all, the Maker of heaven and earth. Yahweh, meaning He is the Lord, the self-revealed God of covenant relationship, the God of infinite grace, the great I Am, ever and always who you need me to be. This mighty, all-powerful Maker of heaven and earth who has given us a revelation of himself in terms of the covenant, the great I am has spoken, for he himself is judge. In the first section, verses 7 through 15, he condemns formalism, the emphasis on outward appearances of piety rather than the true meaning of worship. He is the all-sufficient and all-knowing one and does not need our sacrifices. He is not to be treated as if he needed our religious attention. In the second section, verses 16 through 21, the Lord condemns hypocrisy. Is our behavior reflecting what we know about Him? Verses 22 and 23 give us an epilogue. Now consider this, you who forget God, or I will tear you in pieces and there will be none to deliver. He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me, and to him who orders his way aright, I shall show the salvation of God. And for our final stop on our Bible reading tour, we go to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 10, verses 29 and 30. The way of the Lord is a stronghold to the blameless, but destruction to evildoers. The righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not dwell in the land. Let us learn the way of the Lord and follow. Those who believe in Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life, in John 14, verses 4 through 6, and follow Him as Lord, can rest in the security of His providential oversight that works all things together for the good. Unlike those who reject the way of the Lord, those made right with God through faith in Christ will receive all that He has promised. Now let's pray. Gracious Father of lights, You have given us the light of Your Word and the light of the world. We thank you for the gift of our Redeemer King, the Lord Jesus, who shed his blood that we might be delivered from the dominion of darkness and brought into his kingdom. Holy Spirit, 
continue to illuminate our understanding and energize our walk in the power of your love. Lord Jesus, we want to be aware of the hour with listening ears, watchful eyes, and waiting hearts that anticipate the day when we will see you face to face. Father, grant us spiritual alertness and wisdom this day. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to thank you for joining us for today's excursion in our Bible reading tour. We welcome your comments and questions as we engage with God's Word together. Let us know how you're getting on in your Bible reading by writing us an email at podcast at newlife.org. Many tell us that they benefit from getting a free daily email with a written copy of the commentary with each day's Bible readings with the provided illustrations, maps, and charts. You can easily subscribe to this free service by going to our website, newlife.org. You can also learn of the ministries of New Life Community Church in Concord and New Life Fine Arts. We have been offering evangelism training workshops throughout the year, and we'll be doing so again in conjunction with Restore New England's Nights of Prayer and Saturday Morning Evangelism Conferences. The next one will be held May 5th and 6th at Hope Fellowship Church in Jaffrey, New Hampshire. You can get more information and register at RestoreNewEngland.org. That's RestoreNewEngland.org. Also, you might want to encourage others to join us in this goal of reading the scriptures. By subscribing or following this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, you can be notified of each day's posting. You can stay with us or proceed at your own pace, catching up by listening to past episodes. So until next time, may the word of Christ dwell richly within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. May his peace be with you. Shalom.